Well, as you can see, the title of today's lesson is God with us. God with us. Amen. Uh, and, and, and really, we see this theme from Genesis to Revelation, but I'm going to just address a few of the places in the Bible. We don't have time to get into everything, but I did want to just share some of these things with you that are on my heart. Uh, you know, as we came out of the Advent season, one of the things that we focused so much on was, of course, the birth of Jesus, right? And, and, and I love in uh, Matthew 1, 23, which is a fulfillment of prophecy from Isaiah 7, uh, and eight, and it says, Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. She will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so we know that in the Hebrew, uh, this name means God with us or God is with us. Amen. And for me, I can tell you throughout my life as a Christian, uh, since I've been a Christian since 1989, coming out of the darkness, coming into the light, God transformed my life. He, he changed me. He molded me. He shaped me. And I feel so, so grateful for that. But one of the things that has always brought me great confidence is knowing God is with me. God is with me. And I hope that by the end of this lesson today, if it's successful, you will walk away here feeling God is with me. And that because of that conviction, because of your faith in that promise that God is with you, that you will carry yourself differently in 2023. That you will carry yourself with a faith and a conviction that overcomes fear. That you will carry yourself with a love and passion that overcomes the desire to do something that wouldn't please God. Does that make sense? And so as we think about our lives today, I want to just share for maybe the next 20 minutes about this concept, and then I'm going to let my wife share. And uh, I'm just really grateful that we get a chance to do this lesson. Amen? You know, the Bible... The Bible does say these things. I just need the clicker to actually work. There we go. Genesis 1. You know, when we think about the beginning, when we think about the father of our faith, we think about Abraham, right? We go, man, Abraham, he's the father of our faith. This man had great faith. And I love that Abraham carried himself with faith. But also, I wanted to just mention to you, um, honey, can you actually grab my Bible? Um, I did want to read this passage. But I love this story because it talks about God being with a boy whose name is Ishmael. And it talks about God being with Abraham and the confidence that it brings when a person understands that God is with them and the confidence that it can bring you when you go through difficult times, when you go through hard times, when things seem incredibly challenging. It's comforting to know that God sees you. He sees your tears. He sees your heart. He sees your distress. He sees your concern. And he promises to be with you. Amen? So in Genesis chapter 21 and verse 15, the Bible reads, uh, and just to get a little uh, context of what's happening, um, I know that some of your marriages are amazingly perfect, but some marriages have challenges, okay? 
Abraham was having a challenge in his marriage because he had, you know, a couple of wives. And, and you know how hard it is with one wife sometimes to make her happy. Just be real. But imagine you now have two. So Sarai gets a little upset about, uh, you know, this other wife and, and, and says, look, it's time for her to leave and take her son with her. You can imagine this was challenging. So she's leaving. She has now left. She's apparently in a place where there isn't water. And, uh, and we see in verse, we'll just go and read verse 15. It says, uh, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and she sat down about a bow shot away for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. That must have been an incredibly painful moment. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and she filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert at Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Think about those words, how comforting it would have been. Think about this child knowing that as this child grew up, that God was with this child. And, and to know that God is with all of our children. And to know that God is with all of us in our lives. God is with us. But also think about Abraham as he's processing, how is he feeling? I just sent away my wife. I just sent away my son. What's going to happen to them? And as parents, we get very protective. But what happened is that he needed these words and, and, and these men came up to him and said, hey, God is with you in everything you do. Those are comforting words. Those are comforting words in times of distress, comforting words in times of difficult times. And hopefully it will comfort you as well as we continue on in this study. We look at Isaac in Genesis 26, 24. It says, that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. He was in all kinds of battles, all kinds of issues. He kept trying to dig wells and people would say, no, that's, you can't have that well. You can't have that. He was discouraged. He was down. But the Bible says, hey, do not be afraid. I am with you. I love the words of comfort from God. Amen? And Joseph, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph. Well, let me just stop right here for a second. What had happened to Joseph? Literally with Joseph, if he was sold into slavery, that meant he was stripped naked. That meant 
he had faced incredible humiliation. That meant that, you know, he was in an embarrassing situation in a very difficult time. We also know that he had already kind of, his dreams had been put on hold. He was a man of great dreams and those dreams had been put on hold. We know that there was probably times in his mind where he's like, well, God, are you with me? And the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. One thing that could not be taken away from Joseph was that the Lord was with him. One thing that can't be taken away from any of us as Christians, as men and women of God, is that the Lord is with us. Amen? So that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. I think there's something different about the way a person walks, the way they carry themselves. You know, we, we'll read about it a little bit later, but there's a different spirit. Somehow people know something's different about you. God is with you. God is with you. And it's a continuous theme as we look through these men. Uh, it says, in, uh, when we talk about Moses, it says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses was insecure. He did not want to lead two million people. You want me to lead two million people out of Egypt? How's that going to happen? I can't do that. I'm not strong enough. I'm too afraid. I'm too insecure. And we know that Moses made all kinds of excuses. I can't speak. You know, oh, can you send someone else? Moses constantly had these things going on in his heart as he was embracing this mantle of leadership that he was not desiring. Sometimes it's easy to lead. Sometimes it's difficult, right? This was going to be a difficult time. But I love this word. The Bible says, and God said, I will be with you. That's pretty awesome, right? And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Now, it's important to understand, I'm going to go mostly through the Torah. When I say the Torah, I mean Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, where we see this theme. And the reason why is because a Jewish boy by age 10 had memorized the Torah. And so he would see this theme. He would see this mindset. He would see this heart. God is with me. I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be discouraged. And this would be, this would be permanently in their hearts because they had memorized the scriptures. Because they knew them. And so this is what I want you to understand. Maybe the heart of a 10-year-old boy. And that, isn't that amazing when you think about it? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy memorized it and they would see this theme that God was with them in all that they did he says and this will be the sign to you the desire have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt you will worship God on this mountain he gave them a sign we don't always know what the signs are okay we don't always know what God is telling us but we do know God is with us amen God's people in Exodus 25 it says, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. You know, one of the amazing things about God, um, as they were out, they had now been taken out of Egypt. They're now in the desert. The amazing thing is God 
because he was so committed to being with them because it wasn't just idle words. God went before them by day with a cloud and he went before them at night with a fire. It wasn't idle words. When God said, I will be with you, he means I will be with you. And we see in this passage, he says, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. That's God's heart. He wants to dwell with us. That's why God sent us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us so that he could be with us, so he could be inside of us. The Hebrew word for the tabernacle here means dwelling place or habitation. And this tells us that it was God's desire then and it's God's desire now to dwell with his people. And that should bring you great comfort and great security. Amen? Numbers 14, verse 6 through 9. Joshua and Caleb, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. And they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of this land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. You know, when I think about Joshua and Caleb, I think, you know what? I think about different men in the church. I think Gib would be one of those guys, right? Do you think Gib would be like, let's go? He's always like, let's go. What's happening? What's going on? What's the plan? What's the vision? You know what I'm saying? You're like, okay, amen, bro. Amen. Appreciate your heart. But, but these guys were like, hey, let's do this. Let's go. And, and they wanted to make a difference. And they believed that God was with them. And in verse 24, I didn't put it there, but it talked about, it says, and Caleb had a different spirit. A different spirit. Again, when you know that God is with you, you carry yourself with a different spirit. You stride the earth with confidence. You're able to speak into people's lives with confidence because you know God is with you. You know you're not on your own. You know this isn't about your own strength. You know that you don't have to be perfect to be able to help people and to be able to love people. You just need to have God with you. And that's what Joshua and Caleb believed. Amen? Deuteronomy and the Israelite army, they needed to hear these words. When you go to war against your enemies and you see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them because the Lord, your God, who, by the way, brought you out of Egypt, right? It's like, I just need to remind you that he brought you out of Egypt. Where am I at? <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. Who brought you out of Egypt will be with you. When you are about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, hear Israel. Today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. You know, when we talked about this in December, as a staff, we talked about you know, we, we were excited after the Advent season that we could, got a chance to learn about Emmanuel, that God being with us. And we thought, hey, let's continue that into the new year. 
And, and so I'm excited that we get a chance to talk about this because this, again, is one of my favorite topics. It's one of my favorite things to share about from the Bible because it puts God on display. It lifts God up. And it makes us not so, res not, 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 um, not to have to rely on our own strength, but to be able to practice the presence of God wherever I go. You know what? I don't know what to do, but I know that God is with me. I'm not sure what to say, but I know that God is with me. Walking up to this person to share my faith. I'm afraid. I'm scared to death. But the Bible says, do not be afraid for I am with you. And so I'm going to do that. That's the mindset. That's the heart. The Israelite army needed to hear those words. You know, from Moses to Joshua as Moses was passing. And, and he was handing off the mantle of leadership to Joshua. Joshua needed to hear these words. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. Our younger generation needs to hear from the older generation. God is with you. We're a church who's striving to go from generation to generation to generation to pass on our faith to the next generation. We need the older men and the older women of, older men and more mature women, excuse me, to reach down and to help the younger people and to constantly remind them, hey, look, God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. They need to hear that from you. They need that from you. They need that encouragement. They need that support. We need to work together. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. As a church, I think we need to hear those words. As a church, I think we need to hear those words that God is with you and we don't have to be afraid because we can put our trust in God and we don't have to be discouraged because we serve a God that is the God of the universe that has the ability to deal with things that we don't know how to address that has the ability to guide us and lead us in times where we're in distress and I didn't try to rhyme that. That just worked out. Amen? All right. Where this promise continues on, and I'm just going to share a few more. Uh, this promise continues on. You may want to just take a screenshot of this because there's so many of them, okay? But I love, you know, God speaks to Joshua before it was Moses talking to Joshua. Now it's God reinforcing, hey, Joshua, apparently you need to hear this again. Because the truth is we need to hear it many times. We need to hear that. We need to be reminded of that promise many times. You know, Gideon, man, Gideon was in the wine press. He was like, oh man, yeah, I can't be used by God. I'm the least of my clan. I'm the least of my family. Why would you pick me? And the Bible's clear. The angel of the Lord said, hey, God's with you. God is with you. In Isaiah 7 and, and, and 8 and 41 and 43 and 45, we see God 
you know, speaking to God, speaking to Isaiah and through Isaiah to comfort the people. They needed to hear this message. And Jeremiah, the Lord to Jeremiah and his people, we see in the Psalms, the Psalms of comfort from David and others. You know, we all know Psalm 23, where he says the Lord will be with you, right? And, and, and we can be confident and secure in that. You know, Zechariah 8, 23 and 10 verse 5, the Lord said to Zechariah and his people, Ezekiel, the Lord to Ezekiel and God's people, and Haggai, the Lord to Haggai and God's people. In Acts 18, 9 through 11, God to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was facing difficult times, and, and, and God says, do not stop speaking. God is with you. God is with you. And the truth of the matter is, God is with us. We see it from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And of course, this is the one we all know. And this one was to the apostles, but it was also to us. And really, they're all to us. Okay. All of those statements, excuse me, are to all of us. And I really want you to grasp this because we, we focus on the first part, but sometimes we don't talk as much about the last part. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, that's pretty inspiring to hear Jesus. Jesus is like, hold on, I'm getting ready to leave. I know you're feeling a lot of things. I know you're questioning your ability to take this to the next level. I know that I've walked with you for three years and I've invested and I've trained and I know that when, you're, when I leave, you're gonna be afraid. But you need to hear the things that people, men, powerful men of God, prophets throughout history have heard. You need to know that God is with you. Not just one time, but God is with you always. To the very end of the age, these are words that they needed to hear. Amen? Amen? So really the question is really, as we go into 2023, is really not, is God with us? God is with us. It's a promise. It's in there multiple, multiple times. That's not the question. The question is us with God. Are you with God? Are you spending the time with God that you need to spend? Are you in, are you, are you investing in your relationship with God? This is where the security comes. This is where the confidence comes. This is where the conviction comes. This is where the courage comes. Because you know that God is with you as you read the words of God. You know, I, uh, with our ministry, we did a spiritual formation in the central. We went through with all of our small group leaders and we went through a spiritual formation plan for 2023. And we asked them to share that with the members of their small groups. And, and we just talked about three disciplines, spiritual formation, discipline, practicals that I wanted to just share with you. Um, you know, the internal disciplines of prayer and fasting and Bible study and solitude and meditation and practicing the presence of God, remembering that God is with you. Amen. In all that you do, the external disciplines of practicing a Sabbath, you know, the Bible says, Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, right? It's the only command where the God has to remind them. Hey, remember, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to do this. You need this for your life. 
Sabbath, discipleship, hospitality, having people over in your home, entertaining strangers is the real meaning of that. You know, spirit-led living as we look throughout the book of Acts and we say, man, we want to pattern our life after the book of Acts. You know, after the book of Acts, we see that like 32 times in the book of Acts, they're praying. 32 times we see that, but it's also over 50 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the book of Acts and they were led by the Spirit. Hey, all right, go here to Straight Street and you're going to meet this guy. Go over there by that chariot. You know, oh, oh, the Macedonian call, what's going on? I was planning to go to Ephesus, and now you're saying I need to go to Macedonia? Oh, and I need to reach out to, to uh, Lydia in Philippi? And then, whoa, she'll become a Christian. Wow, this would be amazing. And then the church will begin to explode, and then we'll go back later, and then we'll plant Ephesus, and Ephesus will grow to be 30,000 Christians. I mean, the Holy Spirit was guiding and moving, but you have to be willing to listen to the Spirit. You have to be willing to listen when the Spirit prompts you and says, go talk to that person. Because that can make the difference between whether or not you have someone to study the Bible with, or whether or not you have someone at church with you, if you're listening to the Holy Spirit. Not because I'm saying that we should do this, but because the Holy Spirit demands it. Amen? Communal disciplines within the body of Christ are devotion. What is devotion? Really, the original language, it's just, it's pushing past obstacles to be committed to the cause. Being devoted to God. There's obstacles. We all face them. Many of you pushed past a ton to be here today. Amen? And I appreciate it. But that devotion, that time of worship, man, wasn't the worship amazing today? Man, I was like, man, I want to come. Kyle and I were talking. I want to come up after that song. I want to come up that desire song, man. I want to come up there and I'll be ready to preach after that song. I mean, that was amazing. Just being able to worship God, you know, generosity, celebration. I love our, I love our Shavuot celebrations. I love our Sukkot celebrations. Those are things that as a church we need to do to continually form our spiritual convictions. And of course, communion every week. We need that time. And so at this time, what I wanted to do is just have my wife come up and share how God has been with her. Hi, good morning, church. Um, I'm so thankful to be able to share us into our communion this morning. And off of the theme of what we're talking about this morning is God being, God being with us and God being with me. And you know, as Steve has been studying and reading about God being uh, with us uh, last year, at the end of last year, and going over it and talking about it in the home, and even in Genesis where it talks about um, Ishmael and that situation, and how God was telling uh, his mother, you know, I'm, I'm going to be with him, and I am, I'm with him even as a boy. And, and it, it, it reminded me of a big, huge revelation that I had in my life at, at one point. Um, when I realized and looked back on my life that God had not just been with me and when I got baptized, that God had been with me from the very beginning. And that when we read in the Bible of him talking about 
you know, creating and knitting us together in the womb. And when he's talking about with Jacob, um, that in the womb he was present. That that is really true. And this story of Ishmael helped me. It, it also reminded me of that revelation that I had some years ago. Um, because um, when I had that revelation, it was because I had been thinking. I'd been a disciple for a little bit. And I had been thinking about my life. And like some of us all go through, like God, you know, if, you, um, if you're the God that you were, why was my life so hard? That's what I was thinking and debating. And I had some hurts and pains from my childhood and through my life and from my mother, our situation that I would oftentimes think back on and just think, wow, that was really hard for a kid, Lord. Why, you know, why was that so hard? And I felt so alone in these different things is, is, is how I originally thought about it. And then God showed me something that was a spiritual revelation for me. Uh, my mom is just, it's just my mother and I. Uh, as I grew up, it's just my mom. I'm an only child. I never knew my dad. I don't know who my dad is. I don't think he has an awareness that I even exist. So that was a number one problem. You know, God created families, created mother and fathers, created marriage for a reason. Because when it, when it doesn't go that way, you're, the, our kids are affected. We can get through it and be okay, but we are affected. So I was affected by that. But also my mom, when she was a little, one or two years old, she had contracted spinal meningitis. And some of you may know, you have to look it up. But it can even, for a kid, it could be something that you can die from. And she survived it, but it affected her brain. And with that affecting her brain, uh, she had a learning disability. And that learning disability, she was, with that learning disability, she was not able uh, to really learn how to read and write. And so, uh, and it also made her uh, not, as, um, not as sharp as she would have wanted to be. And then, so then she had me. And uh, we lived with my grandmother for a while till I think I was about five and she wanted to move out and be on her own. My, the rest of my family was like, no, don't do it, but she really wanted to. Uh, but my mom was unable to work, so we lived off the government. We were poor. We lived in public housing uh, because that's all that she could afford. And from that, that was a hard, it was a hard environment for, uh, for us to live in. I, I remember my mom made about 360 something dollars a month. That was our income, because she was on disability. And my check, which I don't know what they call it here in California, but at my, during that time it was called welfare. She got a welfare check for me, which was about 67. I remember one time we got a raise and it was raised to 72. We also had food stamps and we were on Medicaid, which is the medical for, you know, when, you, when you're on the government. Um, I remember as soon as I learned how to barely read, you know, 
I was helping my mom read and fill out forms. Because, you know, when you live on the government, those of you who have had to depend on the government or your family, your parents, when you live on the government, you have to do this thing they call recertify every year to make sure you still qualify each year for all those benefits you're getting from the government and things you have to turn in. And so I would have to help my mom fill those things out. I would have to help my mom fill out my own, my own stuff from school that they sent on. I would fill it all out and then I would get my mom to sign. I, I got to a point where I would just fill it all out and sign it for her. I probably shouldn't have been doing that, but I ended up getting to a point where I was like, why am I doing that? I would fill it all out, then have her sign it. Then I started just like, oh, you know, it was when I was a teenager. I just started like, you know what, I'll just fill it out and just sign it myself. But when I was a kid, I was doing that. And uh, because my mom, it was an awkward relationship, because my mom depended on me so much as a kid, it was very hard for me, for us to keep our mother-daughter order in order in our relationship. So we got in lots of fights, lots of bumps. And because she depended on me so much with so many things, and I was building up a resentment in my heart as a kid, it was so hard. And, But then something in the back of my brain knew that I had to help my mother. Oh, and I forgot to mention this. Because of what she had as a kid, she had epilepsy. So my mother would often have seizures just in the middle of stuff when we were at the grocery store. Do you imagine what a kid at the grocery store, the doctor had to train me with how to help my mom if she has a seizure somewhere, turn her on her side. You know, don't let her choke. Um, then people, you know, and so as a kid, when you don't know no better, you know, I would feel ashamed sometimes. I would feel embarrassed. My mom convulsing on the floor and people worried and scared and they're worried and scared for me. And I would prop her over on her side and I put my, I'd get on my knees and I prop my body so her, her back of her, her back would be leaning against my knees on the back so that she could stay on her side until she was done. And, you know, of course, people would call the ambulance and we'd go to the doctor. But that was a very scary experience for me each time it happened. I never got used to it. You know, when I got older, I got used to it, but I didn't get used to it as a kid um, uh, with this going on. And in school, um, the thing that I saw in school is that Oh, let me let me just back up here a minute. So with that, and as I grew up, I thought, wow, this is this is a really tough situation between my mother and I and our relationship because of that. But how I knew and where I praise God and where I give him the glory and how I know these scriptures are true and how I know that God is not just with us when we get baptized, but he is following and watching along the whole way, is that when I had this revelation and I was trying to reconcile this, I had to reconcile this so that this wouldn't hold me down as an adult and as a Christian so that I could give glory to God and so that I could fully forgive my mom or, or be able to reconcile with her and not have those feelings and be able to share this and this be something that will be a blessing to other people and so I could let go of that guilt and shame. I had to go through this and when I did, this is what God showed me 
Because I went through that, it made me study harder. It made me look in stuff deeper. I used to look up words in the dictionary when I was a little girl, like stuff when I would think, look up stuff in the dictionary so I could know what I was saying or filling out. It made me a good student. Because people knew my situation, they helped me more. My guidance counselor after school said, I'm taking you to your college this evening, which wasn't close. She got me, because of that, she got me a scholarship. Because I had to learn and do those things for my mom, it made me a good student, A's and B's. My guidance counselor noticed that, took me to a college, and I got an academic scholarship at my college because of it, because of the way that I grew up, because of what the way that I, uh, the way that I had to live. I not only got an academic scholarship, get this, I got full-blown financial aid grants out the yin-yang because of that. At the end of the, at the finest, when you're trying to figure out how to pay, I got checks back, I got money back because my account was overpaid because of my scholarship and my grants. And so those of us in this room that grew, that now, you know, which is awesome, it's the same for us. You know, where we are, are middle class or upper class, we're trying to figure out how to pay for school and we have to pay for our school. You're not getting no financial aid, right? So you pay for your kids because you're middle class or upper class. Well, my mom paid for my education too because we were poor. And I realized that, yes, I realized that, that wow, my rich friends that are coming to school, their parents are paying for them, and God gave me the aha, aha moment, says you don't need to feel ashamed because your mom is paying for your education too. And so that was amazing to me. And then also at the college that I went to, I wanted to go to another one, but I couldn't because of my mom's situation. But the college I went to in my freshman year, I got met by God. I got met. I studied the Bible because all this time I loved God. All this time I studied the Bible. And so God was with me during this time, but it was in college where I really met him. He had been walking with me. Track your story back. You're going to see it too if you haven't already. He was with me that whole time. I just didn't know it and see it clearly. When I got to college, I met him. That's when I was with him. And how I joined with him is that I participated in his death, burial, and resurrection. And he gave me something really special that made me secure and know that I was with him forever. And that was his Holy Spirit. And then that's when he and I, our relationship was recognized. That's when he had recognized me the whole time, but that was when I recognized him too and I knew that we were together. And I just wanted to share this today it really just um, moved me that we could talk about God with us and be secure in that, in that, that um, the cross is, is what brings us together and that God has been with each of you, each, with me and each of us. But it comes that time where we have to make that decision to be with him. And I wanted to close out, um, um, am I going to pray? So I'm going to close this out in a prayer, but before we do that, I wanted to share this song that's really special to me. My daughter introduced it to me several years ago, and I love her for it. And it's, a, it's not a, a Christian song. It's a song by Bob Dylan, and I didn't even know Bob Dylan until I heard him through, through Adele. 
I wouldn't have even known, oh, I, I, I have heard his name, but I wouldn't have been thinking I'm listening to Bob Dylan songs. I'm sorry, Bob Dylan fans. <laughs> Except through Adele, and it's just a special song to me because I have made this song God's, and I think it's a love song between people, but I don't know, but it's my song of God, what God is saying to me. And what God, how I know God felt about me and feels about me. And I just want to share the lyrics and then close us out in prayer. Oh, um, you don't, do you, you don't have it? Okay. Um, do you mind, Steve, getting my uh, iPad here? You, you do? Okay, thank you, Jay. So Jay's going to help me get that up on the screen. It will close it out. Please bear with me. Um, and thank you for listening. Um, to a story and I, I know like I was saying all of you have your story too of how God has been with you since the beginning and this song is called make me uh, make you feel my love and I just want to read this this is a special song to me and um, just want to share with you I'm bringing you into my my intimate circle of the things that mean a lot to me and this is one too because of God saying that to me and I believe he's saying that to you too and it says, when the rain is blowing in your face and the whole world is on your case, I could offer you a warm embrace to make you feel my love. When the evening shadows and the stars appear and there is no one there to dry your tears, I could hold you for a million years to make you feel my love. Next. <laughs> I wish I could. What's the next slide? I, I must be doing something wrong. Okay. I know you haven't made your mind up yet, but I will never do you wrong. And this is one of my favorite lines. I known it from the moment we met. There was no doubt in my mind where you belong. And that means so much to me that God knew from the moment he met me, he knew that the exact place that I belong and that was with him. I'd go hungry, I'd go black and blue, I'd go crawling down the avenue. No, there is nothing that I wouldn't do like go to the cross for you to make you feel my love. The storms are raging on the rolling sea, on that highway of regret. The winds are changed, are blowing wild and free, but you ain't seen nothing like me yet. And I always think about that with God, like God is saying, you ain't seen nothing like me yet and what I can do. I could make you happy, and Lord, you have. I can make your dreams come true. There is nothing, nothing that I wouldn't do. I'd go to the ends of the earth to you, for you, to make you feel my love, to make you feel my love. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much 
for being able to share my testimony this morning. Because my testimony includes and gives all glory to you. Um, because you... Because you, Lord, um, as I was sharing, have been with me since the very beginning. And you created me in the womb and never left my side. And you waited patiently till I was able to really meet you and accept you and be, and, and be unified with you in our relationship. And I thank you for each person in here because you've been with them in the same way. Help them to see how you have been with them from the beginning. How, although that it made you sad at the different times when we didn't see you or notice you or our sin kept us from you or other people's sin hurt us and kept us from you. You still wait patiently for us to be able to see you and, and trust you and, and um, know that you are with us. And I pray that anyone in this room that's not with you yet or haven't really accepted you or surrendered their life to you that they will today that they will study the bible and want to come into a true and deep relationship with you and lord i thank you so much how you've done so much to make us feel your love and to make us know how much you care for us and i thank you that you went to the cross and you paid the ultimate price to show us that. You said, I'll just do anything. I'll even just die for you. And you did it. And I'm just so thankful and grateful for that. And grateful that you did it, not just for me, but for every person in this room. And I, I, I just praise you. I can't praise you enough. I can't thank you enough. None of us can. But I'm grateful that no matter what you love us you care for us you'll be with us you'll help us get through any and everything in our lives if we only keep our eyes on you and if we only trust you and, and continue to give our heart to you thank you so much jesus thank you yahweh thank you lord thank you father i just praise your holy name i can't praise it enough and i pray these things your son jesus name as we take communion and as we uh, remember you uh, through through uh, uh, your body and bread and through um, your blood, um, the wine. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.